the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is America that once was a superpower, is that power eroding? Will there be other nations that arise that challenge America's authority? What does the future hold? That's Pastor Mark Finley, and this is Hope Lives. 365. At Hope Lives 365, we believe God answers prayer. If you would like us to pray for you, then keep in mind this telephone number throughout today's broadcast, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-HOPE. Here now is our pastor teacher, Mark Finley, with today's Hope Lives 365. Our topic is Iraq, an ancient king's dream and our future. Do you remember where you were on September 11? Many historians look back and they say September 11 was the day the world changed. My wife and I were traveling through the Midwest of America and we were in Denver, Colorado. I was meeting with a group of pastors and we heard the report that a plane had flown into the World Trade Center, into one of the Twin Towers. We, as many other Americans, thought that this was some kind of accident, but we couldn't understand it at first as we were sitting there watching the news and listening to the news report of that first plane that crashed into the Twin Tower, we were stunned. We were astounded as with our eyes we saw the second plane crash in to that second tower. Pretty soon we recognized quite quickly that this was not an accident, but it was a blatant terrorist attack on American soil. We sat there with our eyes glued to the television screen. We looked at the twisted metal. We saw the cinders and we looked at the broken glass as we watched. We sat there in horror, sensing that an attack had come on our soil. We knew that the future would never be the same again. We were even more astounded when looking at that TV screen, we saw a plane now heading for someplace else, heading for the Pentagon. And as that plane came and as it dove into the Pentagon, we recognized that there was more than one terrorist in the sky and more than one attack that was taking place. Shortly after the attacks, I took a film crew and went out with the other major media giants in America, out with CNN and ABC and NBC, and we began taping television programs of hope. Many of you may have seen that series that aired nationwide. I interviewed people at the Pentagon, interviewed people 
from all walks of life and ask them about how they would find hope and peace and security, how they would find meaning and purpose in this time of uncertainty, insecurity, and terrorism. I interviewed the pilot's wife of the airplane that went down in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. You remember a number of the passengers attacked those terrorist hijackers that were aboard that plane. I interviewed Melody Homer in her home not far from the uh, airport in New Jersey where her husband took off from. I was amazed at her courage and her faith. I was amazed at the peace that God gave to her. In these terrorist attacks, lives were lost. In fact, in these attacks, over 2,974 people lost their lives. There were another 24 that were missing, and they're certainly presumed to be dead. It was this terrorist attack, probably more than anything else, that led the United States into its deadly war with Iraq. Baghdad and the cities of Iraq that were quite foreign to our minds have become commonplace and household names. Our men and women have traveled to Iraq. And whatever you think about the war, whether it was justified or unjustified, whatever your thoughts are about it, one thing is for certain. America is embroiled in a war in the Middle East that could explode at any moment to a much larger conflagration. Our war in Iraq and our war in Afghanistan puts us on the verge of war in the Muslim world that is extremely dangerous. One psychologist in Newsweek magazine, March 3, 2003, said this, the terrible consequence of an unjustified preemptive strike, he believed, of course, that the invasion of Iraq was unjustified, but notice what he says, it'll turn a billion Muslims into enemies when we might have lived in peace. It'll be a step toward Armageddon. Will Armageddon... Earth's last war, mentioned in the book of Revelation. Will Armageddon explode in the Middle East? Will the war in the Middle East turn into a great conflagration? What is the next world superpower? What's going to happen right on the horizon? Is there any hope for the future? We look to Iraq, we become familiar with scenes of devastation and death. We become familiar with roadside bombs exploding and blowing up. And deep within our hearts, we ask the question, what's next? U.S. troop deaths in Iraq total over 4,000. But is this war in Iraq opening a larger war in the Middle East? Will there be many more deaths yet to come, or will we be able to move out of the Middle East fairly quickly? What is on the horizon? What does the future hold? Will more children die? And is this just the beginning? Is America that once was a superpower, is that power eroding? Will there be other nations that arise that challenge America's authority? What does the future hold? 
As you go back and look at Iraq, Iraq is really the tale of two leaders, one present and one past. It's really the tale of two cities, one modern and one ancient. And unless you understand the connection of those two leaders, Saddam Hussein, the leader that once was, and the ancient leader, Nebuchadnezzar, unless you understand the relationship between Baghdad and Babylon, unless you understand the relationship with the present and the past, you can never make sense out of what's going on in the world tonight. So let's look at present Baghdad, what it was like before the American attack. Then let's go from present Baghdad to ancient Babylon 600 years before Christ. And then let's go to an amazing prophecy about the past, the present, and the future. A prophecy that has been fulfilled over 2,500 years. Modern-day Baghdad is quite incredible. Modern-day Baghdad, in fact, is a city that was really beautiful. The Tigris River flowed through Baghdad. There were jogging trails along the side of the river. There were hanging gardens along the side of the river, beautiful flower gardens that perfumed the air, swimming pools along the side of that river, many, many tourist attractions. Baghdad was a city of over 7 million people, quite a modern city, quite a city of prestige in the Middle East called the Pearl of the Middle East. It was a city of smiling and happy children, but it was a city that Saddam Hussein presided over tight-fistedly. He was an iron-fisted dictator. 97% of the population is Muslim today. These Muslim faith was a faith that, of course, is the dominant religion throughout the Middle East. Saddam Hussein had intentions for Baghdad that were far beyond Iraq. He had intentions for the entire Middle East. Mosques dot the landscape of Baghdad, and they dot the landscape of Iraq. If you're there any Friday, and those mosques, you'll hear the turret and the minarets calling to worship, and thousands, of course, Muslims will go to worship on those Fridays. Names like Fallujah are very common to us today. One of the cities of militants against the American soldiers, great battles took place in Fallujah and places like Ramadi. What does this have to do with the past? What does it have to do with Bible prophecy? And how does Saddam Hussein tie in to all of this? Saddam Hussein's ambition was to bring Iraq into dominance in the Middle East. And Saddam had a hero. And unless you understand who Saddam's hero was, you'll not understand why Saddam acted the way that he did. Saddam Hussein's hero was a hero from the past. He was a ruler of ancient Babylon, which is in the area of Iraq. Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians dominated from the lands that we know as Iraq today, the Middle East, for over 600 years. Nebuchadnezzar ruled from 605 years before Christ, and his empire ruled with other Babylonian leaders till 539 before Christ. Saddam's hero was indeed Nebuchadnezzar. 
Saddam minted a coin with two faces, his own on one side and his hero, Nebuchadnezzar, on the other side. And the title of that coin is very significant. The title of that coin, the inscription on the coin, is the New Babylon. The New Babylon. What was Saddam's intent? Pastor Mark Finley will continue with more in just a moment. Stay tuned. Hope Lives 365 is a donor-supported ministry. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. If you have been blessed by our ministry, go to our website, hopelives365.com, or call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Mark Finley. What was Saddam's intent? It was to spread his influence over the entire Middle East. It was to spread his influence throughout the lands of the Middle East, and it was to attack and overthrow Jerusalem and be a dominant power like his hero, Nebuchadnezzar, was so dominant. Peter Arnett, CNN war correspondent, saw this link between Saddam Hussein and Nebuchadnezzar of old. Once you understand this, you can understand prophecy. CNN war correspondent Peter Arnett said, the exploits of Nebuchadnezzar had and have a profound effect on how Saddam views the world in general, in Israel in particular. In other words, Nebuchadnezzar attacked Israel, the king of Babylon, he overthrew it, set up a leading part of his government in Jerusalem. That is Saddam's intent as well, according to Peter Arnett, war correspondent. Eric H. Klein, PhD historian and archaeologist at George Washington University, talked about Saddam's intent as well. He said, Saddam also portrays himself as the successor to Nebuchadnezzar. In 1979, he was quoted by his semi-official biographer as saying, So here is the biographer, the one that wrote the biography of Saddam Hussein, quoting Saddam Hussein. And this is what Saddam said. Nebuchadnezzar, that's the Babylonian leader that lived 600 years before Christ. Nebuchadnezzar stirs in me everything relating to pre-Islamic ancient history. He goes on, and what is most important to me about Nebuchadnezzar is the link, now this is Saddam talking, between the Arabs' abilities and the liberation of Palestine. Nebuchadnezzar was, after all, an Arab from Iraq, albeit ancient Iraq. In other words, Saddam said, Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem. He liberated Palestine. That was Saddam's ambition. The Bible talks about Nebuchadnezzar and his attack on Jerusalem. This indeed was part of Saddam's intention. 
Time magazine captured the essence of what was really going on here, and Time said this in its article, Time magazine, August 1990. This is before the terrorist attacks in 2001, before America's invasion of Iraq. Saddam himself had himself photographed not long ago in a replica of the war chariot of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king whom Saddam apparently reveres as his hero. Then the article goes on in time. Despite a bout of insanity, which is recounted in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar made his name in history by destroying Jerusalem in 587 BC and driving its inhabitants into 70 years of captivity. Time magazine said it's fair warning. In other words, fair warning to Israel because Saddam Hussein had himself photographed in the war chariot of Nebuchadnezzar. He had a sense of destiny. He believed that he was to be the Middle East's new Nebuchadnezzar. Yet, the Bible is very plain. You see, Babylon was 54 miles south of Baghdad. It was the capital of Iraq. But the Bible points out that Babylon was destroyed, never to be rebuilt again. What's the history of this ancient city of Babylon? Babylon was founded after the Great Flood as the center of the kingdom of Nimrod. You remember reading in the Bible about a tower called the Tower of what? What was that tower called? Tower of Babel. Scholars believe that this ancient site of the Tower of Babel was the place that Babylon was founded on. You know, what are the first four letters in Babylon? They are B-A-what? B-A-B-Y. Why do you call a baby a baby? You call a baby a baby because it babbles. See, and that's where God confused the languages at Babel, and that's where we get the name baby. Well, at least you learn one thing from the lecture tonight, right? You know where baby comes from. All right, so scholars believe that this ancient site of the Tower of Babel, or Babel, was the place that Babylon, the city of Babylon, was built. I want to take you back with me tonight, back with me to an ancient king's dream. Now, Jesus tells us, if you're going to understand history, if you're going to understand what's going on in the world, you need to go back to an ancient prophet. That prophet's name was Daniel. Matthew 24, verse 15, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by by who, everybody? Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. So Jesus is talking about the end times. He's talking about the signs of the last days. And Jesus says, you need to read and understand somebody. California, Washington, D.C., Michigan. Who do you need to read and understand? In Orlando, who are we supposed to read and understand? Read and understand what book of the Bible? Daniel. So come back with me tonight to an ancient king's bedroom. This story is recorded in the book of Daniel. This story is recorded about an ancient king called King Nebuchadnezzar, who was Saddam's hero. One night, Nebuchadnezzar went to sleep. And as he went to sleep, he had a dream, a dream that he could not remember when he woke up the next morning. It's recorded this way in Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. Let's read it together. Now in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams and his spirit was so troubled that his sleep left him. So this ancient king had a dream and he woke up the next morning and he couldn't remember what he dreamt. So he called his wise men. He called all of the soothsayers and the psychics from Babylon. And he said, 
I had a dream. I was in my bedroom, and I dreamed, and I woke up, and I couldn't remember what I dreamed, but I know that my dream was significant. Did you ever have a dream? And you wake up the next morning and say, man, I dreamed I was wrestling a lion. But I, I don't know what it meant because as I was wrestling, I think I was winning, but maybe I was losing when I wrestled that line. But I woke up right in the middle of my dream. But I can't remember the ending of the dream. I can't remember my dream. I don't know, maybe you had too much pizza the night before. And your stomach was all churning and had a dream. Now, I'm going to guarantee you, Nebuchadnezzar was not eating Domino's pizza. He wasn't eating Pizza Hut pizza, and he wasn't eating any other kind of pizza. God revealed to him in that bedroom a dream. He called around his astrologers. He said, look at the stars. What did I dream? Tell me. He called around his magicians. What did I dream? Tell me. And they said, king, we can't tell you what you dreamt, but if you tell us what you dreamt, we'll tell you what it means. He said, what do you think, I'm stupid? I wasn't made king for nothing. If you can't tell me what I dreamt 24 hours ago, how are you going to tell me what's going to happen 24 years in the future? Now look, you guys, you tell me what I dreamt. And if you don't do that, I'm going to cut off your hands, cut off your arms, cut off your legs, and I'm going to cut off your head, and then you're really going to be in trouble. There was a young man in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. His name was Daniel. He was a young Jew. He was taken captive. He was 17 years old when he was taken captive. And he came into the king and he said, King, look, you give me some time and I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I know that God is going to reveal to me the dream. And the king said, okay, young man, you take some time and you pray. And when Daniel didn't know what to do, he knew what to do. There may be times in your life that it's dark. There's some real problems in your life. And the God who answered Daniel's prayer will answer your prayer. The God who revealed to Daniel in that tough time of his life meaning and purpose in the future. Maybe you're confused tonight about the future. Maybe you're uncertain about the future. The future is in God's hands. And God reveals that future. And Daniel went out to pray. And Daniel came back to the king. And he said to the king in Daniel 2 verse 28. Let's read it together. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets and has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. I love that. Daniel comes into the king. He says, there is a God in heaven. Not maybe there's a God in heaven. Not perhaps there's a God in heaven. Not I think there's a God in heaven. Not it's highly likely there's a God in heaven. Not there's a statistical possibility there's a God in heaven. I love the certainty of it. Nebuchadnezzar, there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Nebuchadnezzar, you had a dream. And God is going to reveal the secrets of the future. God's going to reveal not only what happens in the days of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, but God's going to reveal the rise and fall of empires. In this king's dream, you and I see the four nations that would ever rule the world, the four dominant powers in the world, they're named by God. You and I see history being fulfilled before our very eyes. In this dream, we see 2,500 years of history. It's an incredible dream. It names the rise and fall of empires. It names world leaders before their birth. It is an incredible incredible dream. Tonight we're going to study Daniel chapter 2 because this dream takes us from Nebuchadnezzar's day. It takes us from Nebuchadnezzar's day, that king of Babylon, down to what days? Down to what days? 
the latter days. So here is a dream that takes us down the stream of time for 2,500 years and focuses on our day. We can face the future with hope and with confidence. Daniel says to the king, King, Daniel 2, verse 31, you, O king, were watching. And behold, a great image, this great image whose splendor was excellent stood before you, and its form was awesome. And as you looked, O king, the image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of brass, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. Yes, Daniel, that's exactly what I saw. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then, O king, The iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together and became like the chaff from a summer threshing floor. And king, the wind carried them away, so no trace was found for them. As the king stood back, he stood back in awe and wonder and amazement. Then Daniel went on as he described the dream to the king. Daniel 2, verse 35, And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. As Daniel described that dream to the king, I can imagine that the king stood back and he said, Daniel, Daniel, that's exactly what I saw. I had this dream and I saw this great image, Daniel. And as the image emerged, Daniel, yes, indeed, the image had a head of gold. And Daniel, the image, had breasts and arms of silver. It's exactly what I saw. And it had thighs of brass and legs of iron. And Daniel, I saw those feet of iron and clay. And then Daniel, I saw that stone, that stone cut out of the mountain without hands, that stone that came and crushed the image, and ground it to powder. That stone that became a mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, I hate to leave it there, but we are out of time for today's message. Please join us again next time when we complete this broadcast. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Thanks for listening today to Hope Lives 365.